Steven, it's Eller. Gotta get that podcast. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. My favorite part of Lady Marmalade was always Little Kim just grunting. I was hoping that you were doing the Little Kim part. That was now yeah. was that was that pre or post stomach pump procedure? <laughs> you know about that? In case, well, listen. In case you don't know, uh, among many other uh, stars throughout the past, I don't know, maybe forty years. Yeah. There's always been this claim that so someone was taken to a hospital with like uh, twelve gallons of semen in their stomach, and they had to have their stomach pumped. Now, I, I've heard Rod Stewart. I've heard <laughs> David Bowie. I've heard Richard Gere uh, and Lil' Kim, of course. I would only believe three of those that you just mentioned. Wow. <laughs> okay. And Lil' Kim is not one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I heard a rumor that Lil' Kim had to have a rib removed so she could suck her uh-huh. own penis. Right? She and Marilyn Manson both. And David <laughs> Bowie. <laughs> Welcome, dead and lovely listeners, to Dead and Lovely, the greatest horror movie review podcast in all the land. Here with the hosts with the most, it's me, Uncle Ben, and who's that? Who's that wonderful person I got on the other end of this phone call here? The Nature Boy! (laughs) What's up now, Ric Flair? What's up now? I'm stealing your nickname. It's me, Hollywood Steve Spratling. Hollywood Steve Spratling. How are you doing this week out there in them Hollywood Hills, sir? Woo! Uh, pretty great. <laughs> styling and profiling. Uh, styling and profiling. Um, pretty great. Actually, <laughs> mysteriously today and tomorrow, which is Thanksgiving, um, uh, we had 90 degree temperatures. So, Woo. yeah, it kind of, <laughs> I love uh, Thanksgiving because I love cooking. Yeah. I, I love eating. Eating is awesome. It's the best, but cooking is, is my favorite thing in the world. So, uh, when it's 90 degrees outside though, and you're standing in a kitchen with a 450 degree oven on, it's, it's the fucking worst. Yeah. That's a little bit intense. Not a fan, not a fan (laughs) at all, but, um, been preparing for, uh, Thanksgiving turkey day as i believe i already called it national genocide day as i may have called it oh yeah uh-huh these are the cries of the carrots um <laughs> so i i know you've been preparing a little bit for thanksgiving what have you guys been making well you know what so our our thanksgiving is is usually a pretty hectic time of year where yeah. on typically on like thanksgiving thursday we go and do my wife's family's jam uh, which involves going over to her grandparents. Um, and we have just the typical huge family feast. She's got a big family, lots of aunts and uncles uh-huh. and cousins and nephews and nieces and all that jazz. So we usually do a big a big old boisterous traditional thing over there all day, which is fun. And yeah. then typically on Friday, we do my family's jam, which is a complete opposite. Like, my family is super <laughs> small. It is like... Me yeah. and my mom and my stepdad and my my brother and his wife and their daughter. And we do like a, a totally non-traditional kind of meal. Like I think the last time that we did turkey and all the jam like that was probably, I don't know, eight or nine years ago. We usually do something instead like, um, uh, you know, like a chicken and dumplings or white chicken chili or sometimes we grill out or something uh-huh. like that. So, yeah, 
we go kind of non-traditional, which I think is cool because, frankly, yeah, like the normal Thanksgiving meal, I don't really give much of a fuck about. Oh, Ben, 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 tell him about it now. Uh, I I like the non-traditional Thanksgiving meal, but I, in the past five years or so, I've been trying to find some retribution in the traditional Thanksgiving meal. All right. And I've discovered a few things. First thing, you spatchcock your turkey, no matter what. That's where you cut the uh, the backbone out and you press it flat, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And I, I actually go a step further, and uh, I go ahead and... Uh, cut the wings off separate them from the breast Mm -hmm. because you don't want a dry turkey breast and almost everybody who's ever had a turkey breast has had a dry turkey breast and been like i don't want that it's disgusting you but a good moist turkey breast uh, i do a dry brine four days ahead to keep it nice and moist. It only cooks for about 45 minutes. It's completely done. Whoa, that's not long at all. I know, and it's fucking awesome. Uh, But if it's just me and my wife, as it is this year, we just do a chicken because it's easier and uh, takes less less work. And it's better. For sure. It is better. Yeah, no matter how good turkey ever is, it's never going to be better than chicken. I remember as a kid, we do this thing where we would go in search of just like, you know, the most gargantuan turkey that we could find. And every year you'd get really excited and be like, oh man, this is like two pounds bigger than last year. And then you'd have it and be (laughs) like, wow, it's even drier. Yeah. Yeah. That's the mistake is, yeah, one, I mean, if you're going to cook it as a whole turkey, you want a smaller bird. Yeah. Listen, these, these are Thanksgiving tips. With uh, Uncle Hollywood. Yeah, exactly. Um, Listen up, y'all. <laughs> if you if you are gonna do the traditional bird where it's whole bird and it looks like it does in a Norman Rockwell painting, you want to go smaller the better. But don't do that shit. Just spatchcock it. Cut that motherfucker up. You know what? I'm thinking next year even I might uh, cut it all up and try to to fry it like fried chicken. <laughs> Now, whenever you do the spatchcock and you remove the backbone and stuff, is there like a big dramatic finish him and you fucking Mortal Kombat that shit? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there usually is. It's actually, um, boy, this is morbid and gross probably, but I'll show you some pictures of the first time I spatchcocked a turkey. Yep. I noticed as soon as I started opening it up that it looked like uh, one of the aliens from Alien, but yeah. made of, of flesh. Uh, so even more disgusting. Nice. Well, you know, actually, yeah. in the original, uh, the face hugger prop that you see whenever they're doing the little autopsy scene, there actually is chicken cutlets and stuff in there, along yeah. with oysters and all kinds of other food items. So kind of makes sense. It does. Yeah. I think the best Thanksgiving turkeys I've ever had have been of the of the smoked and especially of the deep fried variety. Just the whole deep yeah. fried turkey. It's it's yeah, fucking awesome. Yeah, deep fried awesome. is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Smoked is awesome. Deep fried is awesome. Smoked but not inhaled. Yeah, well, yeah. Don't inhale your turkey. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. You'll be asleep for weeks. (laughs) Well, it should be a good old time. I'm looking forward to it, man. You know, it's one of those things, like I said, I don't really get too stoked about about the food items on hand, but I am excited to spend the holiday in the... uh, In the presence of Kith and Ken. (laughs) 
Oh yeah, yeah, and it's also the gateway to the Christmas season, which I uh, I do enjoy very greatly. I am a holly jolly motherfucking guy. It sounds to me like you're writing a 19th century American novel right now. Maybe I am. Oh, are you? Oh, cool. You know what? <laughs> it's time somebody brought it back. <laughs> I'm bringing it back. Let's go back to the 1830s. So, Steve, in this in this wonderful Thanksgiving week, what have you been uh, watching on your television? You watching any good talkies or anything this week? I uh, watched a Netflix series called Mind Hunter. Oh shit! Is it good? It's really good. Yeah, it's awesome. Oh, I've heard um, that it is. I've heard the guy that plays like um, shit. Is it Dahmer? Or somebody's on there. Or Ramirez? I can't remember. Ed Kemper. Kemper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard he's like dead on balls accurate. Yeah, the, it's it's insane how well the the guy playing him does at uh, capturing the nonchalantness of talking about uh, fucking your mother's neck hole. Jesus after Christ! Cutting off her head. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's. It's obviously if you're into uh, uh, reading about murders and things like that, it's the way to go because it's about. Um, it's. Uh, a fictionalized version of the history of uh, creating the profiling unit in the behavioral unit of FBI. So that's really a, interesting. Uh, a Jonathan Douglas that kind of came up with all that, right? Yeah, I think that's the name, but um, the names in the show are changed. They're slightly different, but the characters are basically the same. I remember during college, uh, my main man, old J.R., Old Josh Rogers. Old JR. He started uh, reading. Um, I think it's again. I'm pretty sure it's Jonathan Douglas is his name or John Douglas. He he wrote a book called Mindhunter that was about creating the criminal profile of yeah the serial killer and stuff like that. He got really into him and they sounded really 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 interesting. So I've been wondering if the series is good. Did you finish it? Yeah, I um I didn't want it to ever end. Uh, Damn. It, it like there were definitely. The fact that it's only eight episodes, I believe, mm -hmm. uh, definitely urged me on really early because early you get a lot of sort of establishing who these characters are and stuff. But mm -hmm. you also get the goods early on. You get the first Ed Kemper interview and stuff, I think, in the first episode. So, like, you get the good stuff early on, but it, it really gets great as it progresses and... I, I like the way it went. I like the way that um, they seem to be going with it. But I don't I don't know. I mean, it's it's it just came out in October of this year, so we won't know for another year if they can follow up on how awesome their first season is. Right on, man. Yeah, I've been hearing it recommended by a bunch of people, so that's definitely one that I've been wanting to to sit down and watch lately, man. Anything else you've been checking out? Uh, yeah, I finally went back and uh, I. Whenever Walking Dead did that cliffhanger thing with uh, who are we going to kill, um, I couldn't go back to it. I felt like it was a real, it really abused the trust of the viewer because up to that point, they'd been making smart television and and a cliffhanger is so artificial and it just, it, it's an attempt to hold people's attention without actually writing good story. That's what we call Dan Browning it. Yeah, yeah. So I was kind of pissed about that, and so I avoided 
season seven and and hadn't watched season eight and i just decided this week you know what i i really love the comic book i do like the show um so i went back and sat down and watched it i enjoyed it um i know the ratings are are going down but i think it's getting much more complex and much more interesting i think the ratings are probably going down because people love to watch zombie kills over and over yeah or at least they think they do. I don't know that anybody would want to watch a zombie show where they just keep killing zombies over and over and over, and that's, like, the show. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it's just kind of predictable. Yeah. But I'm enjoying it. I, I think it's good. I never have watched any of the Walking Dead stuff, man. Oh, really? Well, I mean, give it a shot. I, I really like it. I think, especially the first season, I think most people would agree the first season is really good yeah uh a lot of people say the second season drags i don't i don't think so i think it's i think it's great but the first season especially is is i think only six episodes and they're all good see i want to say that one time we watched i believe the first like two episodes of the show uh-huh. like yeah. a couple of years ago and i just couldn't get into it like i liked you know I liked that it was a zombie show and it was gory. The special effects are really sick. That's cool. But I felt like all the characters are just like really silly, like super stereotypes. Like there was like racist white guy and there was like super aggressive black guy and stuff like this. Maybe they figure yeah. that shit out, you know, later on in the show. But I just remember those first couple episodes. I was like, man, these characters are just fucking paper thin, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's that first episode is so much like the very first issue of the walking dead okay and that that's an early period for robert kirkman i mean it the story is a bit lacking early on okay so yeah i mean if you want to you push through it but there's so many good shows out there it's it, if, you're, if it doesn't grab you just fucking don't watch it yeah really yeah there's plenty more to keep yourself entertained with Dude, this week I have been so fucking busy. I have barely had time to do anything, man. Like we've we've watched a couple of TV shows every night. You know, we've watched some uh-huh. um, some Seinfeld. We've watched some BuzzFeed videos and stuff like that. But I think the only Fun real stuff. oh yeah, I think the only real like feature link thing that we sat down and watched uh, sometime earlier this week is we watched that Lady Gaga documentary. That oh yeah, five foot two or something like that. Uh huh. How was it? You know, it was interesting. I talked to a few people beforehand that had watched it that either absolutely loved it or really, really, really hated it. And um, I thought it was interesting, and I thought that it was it was really sad in a lot of ways. Um, okay. It was cool to see, just to see how, you know, how successful and, and creative she is and all that kind of jazz. But yeah, I know that for myself as a, as a creative person, obviously not anywhere near that level, but... You know, I think you're pretty close to Gaga oh, level. Oh, oh, you. <laughs> but you know, the the hardest thing about being a creative person, I think, is the is the choices that surround everything you're doing. Yeah. Um, and like you know, if I could just sit around and play guitar and put stuff out, that would be the best. But there's always choices to be made. When do you want this to come out? How do you want this presented? Mm-hmm. What do you want to do after this? Yada yada. Mm-hmm. And and her as a you know super sexy female uh, pop star person, you know her life isn't as easy as just hey record some songs that you wrote, 
she is yeah. constantly surrounded by people asking her, hey, do you want it this way? Would you rather have this? What do you want? What is this? What do you want? You know, just all these questions to fucking answer. And that's the kind of thing that really kind of, that just makes me sweat, even just kind of watching the amount of pressure that she has to make as far as how many decisions are to be made um, yeah. to, to execute what she wants in her head. So it was, um, it was pretty crazy. Also, she really does have some terrible, like chronic pain and stuff like that. She apparently broke her hip at some point several years ago. Jesus. Yeah. I had no idea about that. So she's constantly in just like crippling pain because of that shit. Um, it's a pretty rough watch. I got to say it was much heavier than I thought that it would be. Huh. So it's good though. You're saying it's nothing like Madonna's sex. Dude, I've never watched that. <laughs> you, know you haven't missed much. <laughs> like <laughs> porn exists. You just go for porn. Okay. Just uh, go for that instead. Yeah. It doesn't have Madonna in it. So yeah, that's true. Or Dennis Rodman. It's got I don't Rodman think. Yeah. Yeah, Rodman's I believe is definitely in sex. I'm pretty sure. Dude, Dennis Rodman from Double Team with John Claude Van Damme? And I mean Dennis Rodman <laughs> from North Korea. Yeah, from North Korea. Yeah. <laughs> I love that that is our beacon of outreach to that strange strange nation that we're fixing yeah. to go into devastating nuclear warfare with. I th you know what would be great because uh, I was a Dennis Rodman fan yep. when he played basketball. I I'm not a dis fan. I, you know what I am. Fuck fuck Dennis Rodman and his weird North Korea obsession or whatever he's doing. But yeah, um, maybe what he's doing is what he did when he played defense for the Bulls and the Pistons, and that is he gets in real close and real low and then tosses those elbows in when nobody's looking. <laughs> he's going to he's gonna fucking elbow his ass is what you're saying. Listen, I'm saying if Kim Jong-un ends up dying from elbow poisoning, <laughs> we know I the wouldn't culprit. be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, let me ask you too, Steve, with this being the week of Thanksgiving, are there any, are there any traditional things that you like to watch around this season of year? Uh, I don't know. Traditionally, I would say um, Christmas Story comes on TBS and plays all day. Uh, so I've always watched that. Mm -hmm. Christmas Story is a pretty good tradition. I generally, though, watch football, and I will be watching the Mississippi State Ole Miss game. So all right. All right. Don't care who wins. Just like watching football. That's, that's all good. It's all for the love of the game. Yeah, that game that's so good to people. <laughs> what do you What do you know about a planes, trains, and automobiles, Steve? That's a great movie uh -huh. in general, but a great Thanksgiving movie. And mentioning that reminds me of Uncle Buck, which is also a great movie for wintry times. Hell's yeah, it is, man. And yeah, planes, trains is one of those rare Thanksgiving movies. Like it would have been yeah. so easy for them to shoehorn that around a Christmas scenario, uh -huh. but they're like, you know what? Thanksgiving. They got the market cornered on that one. That's a great flick. Yeah, you could always check out Thanks Killing, which is oh, uh, that's great. It's awesome. <laughs> it's it's very so terrible. Very poorly done, but not not poorly done. <laughs> uh, very cheaply done and well done for what they had. Bless their hearts. There, there's some genuinely funny moments in it for sure. Oh yeah, definitely so. But there are also some shitty moments. <laughs> <laughs> like most of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we haven't gotten to watch Planes, Trains yet, but we'll probably try to sit down and watch that tomorrow after uh -huh. the 
after the family feast concludes. We also usually try to watch through all the all the Friends Thanksgiving episodes, but also oh. haven't had time to do that either. Huh. That one was Brad Pitt. So good. <laughs> I don't remember any Friends episode. I don't think. Oh, man. I've, I watched every episode of Friends when it was, like, on, but I don't remember a single episode I can think of. I'm in no way ashamed of my love for friends. What about the one where they all bet on who would masturbate fast or whatever? Is that? <laughs> no, that's not them. Uh-uh. No. Uh-uh. No. The, the one with the big no. salad? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. Yeah, definitely. That was them. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't remember any Friends episodes, I, but I do love the Bob's Burgers Thanksgiving episodes because... Bob is exactly like me. Yes. On Thanksgiving, like all he's thinking about is cooking. Yep. And that's that's it. That's all you want to do. I don't need like I want I want everybody to eat my food and enjoy it. But if all that happened was I cooked a big feast that's and fine. then like just it was all leftovers, that's fine with me. Yeah, that's enough right there. Yeah. That's awesome. I hope you guys have yourself a great old turkey day out there on the West Coast, and we will be enjoying ourselves a family feast over here on the East Coast. Crips and Bloods united in a feast of giving thanks, Steve. <laughs> Finally. Isn't that what happened the first Thanksgiving, the yeah. Crips and the Bloods? Because the Bloods, they had been here for a while, and then the Crips were like, hey, what's up? You know, we're escaping religious persecution. Um, and then, you know, the Bloods were like, oh, obviously, you know, we want to help out. Here's some food. And then the Crips were like, ha ha, fuck your food. And then they shot them. Killed them all. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that you're right. Well, in addition to this being the greatest Thanksgiving podcast of all time, this is also a show where we're going to be discussing a little talkie by the name of the Lost Boys. This is our final entry in our No Vampire series, which this whole month has been vampire flicks chosen by mm -hmm. you all, our dead yeah. and lovely listeners. And it, I would like to talk about some things that we've learned Tell about me. vampire movies, Ben. One thing we've learned is that all vampire movies set up how to kill vampires at some point. They do. <laughs> they all have a different way of doing it. Some things are similar, some are, you know, thrown out immediately, where they're like, ah, garlic, that won't work, or get your holy water the fuck out of here, like, right. whatever. Like, they all have the lines that set up what is going to kill a vampire, and they also all, for some reason, seem to have a woman involved as an object for the vampires and the non-vampires to be worried about. You know, it's true, or at least a lot of the ones that we've covered. There there are ones yeah. that break out of that, such oh, as, yeah, definitely. Let's, let's say, a Let the Right One In. Uh-huh, for sure. Byzantium, that's a good one. I don't know if I've seen that, Byzantium. Which one is that? Uh, Gemma Arterton, who is uh, high on my list of uh, gorgeous people I always want to see in movies. Yeah. Um, who else is in it? Swarcy Ronan, I believe. I don't think I've seen this. I want to say I've seen the title, but I've never watched it. I, I think it's on Netflix. Yeah. I recommend it. It's really good. I got to say, Steve, after 
doing, you know, this is our fifth one, right? F- five episodes this month? Yeah, five straight vampire movies. I am a little bit tired of vampire movies. Yeah, that's yeah, that's um that's why next year for November we'll be doing no vampire, which <laughs> we'll means we won't no be covering movie. a single vampire movie. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, we've had some cool flicks in here, but you know what? This yeah. movie was a real breath of fresh air because kind of going into this i was like not another vampire movie and then we started it and i was like oh more of this (laughs) ben there is a way to cut this movie to turn this into a hair band is looking for a drummer (laughs) i completely believe it the name of the band is the lost boys and their managers uh dude who owns a video store oh my god yeah you would be really easy to do one of those like recut trailers for this oh yeah absolutely (laughs) well you know steve before we start getting into the nitty-gritty of this sexy sexy movie i would like to uh, i would like to take a minute here to really kind of get down and analyze this flick and analyze ourselves analyze hollywood let's steve, really Uncle get ben. into it yeah let's get in there i want to know steve what lost boy character are you and which one is me you know what i want to do i want to find that out through what looks like maybe a myspace quiz it looks like a cheap shitty quiz that's on quote v quotev.com yeah and you know what I bet this is going to be the most accurate quiz we've ever taken. I bet it is. Now, Steve, let me ask you. First impressions, what do you come across as? And Mm. there's a lot of options on these. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just going to, I'll tell you the one I pick. Because there are, I believe, 15 options. Yeah, there's a lot. Uh I would say I immediately come across as funny. I think so, too. I know that that's the first thing that... I noticed about you, other than your rakish good looks, Steve. Oh, you. You know, of these options, um, I would say I was also going to choose funny as well. I have a feeling we're going to diverge later on, but I'm going to go with funny because I think that, I don't know, would you think that would be your first impression too? Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. Let's go with the funny answer. What's next here, Steve? What do you act like with people? This is these questions are poorly worded. Yeah, what there's do some you really bad ones. Act like with people, Ben. <laughs> What's my options? Well, uh, there are about fifteen of them. <laughs> I'll say uh, they vary from quiet with an innocent vibe to sarcastic. What would you say for myself? Uh huh. You know, I would like to think that I might come across as a as a likable and persuasive person. I would like to think I I do tend to have a way with if uh, if I'm trying to get a conversation or a situation to go a certain way, I try not to be horribly manipulative about things. But I like to think I have a way of smoothly urging people towards certain directions to things. So I'm going to go with a likable and persuasive. I hope anyway. I might be wrong about that. Yeah. Um. There are so many options here <laughs> that uh, they seem to be so similar. A lot of them are based on sense of humor. But I'm going to go with, I guess, helpful and funny. I think so. I think I I tend to uh, go out of my way to talk to people who obviously 
are having a hard time talking to other people. I like to be helpful. And I also obviously think I'm funny. Steve, I think you're hilarious. Listen, guys, if you don't think I'm funny, let me tell you what to do. Meet me next year at Hell in a Cell. Right? That made them laugh. (laughs) God, people are fucking dying right now. There's fucking car seats that just piss all over them nationwide. (laughs) (laughs) So what do we got next, Ben? Pick a horoscope sign. I assume they mean choose your own, not just what's your favorite. Yeah, I assume, because I, I don't have a favorite for sure. Uh, I, I'll, my own is Leo. Strong choice. You know, mine is Cancer, but I, I don't, I, I think all the horoscope stuff is very silly. Um, it is. It's ridiculous. There's astrological reasons why it's silly, such as all those constellations have shifted due to mm-hmm. planetary drift and the shifting of everything in the universe expanding. So whenever all those signs were created back in the day, everything has moved since then. So everything's in the wrong spots. Um, yeah. Also, frankly, I just don't find humans to be important enough on a universal scale that the alignment... For the entire universe to... Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly, exactly. Like... If you believe in an infinite universe that everything goes and goes and goes forever, you can't think that humans are that fucking significant in the grand scheme of things. Mm. So I don't want to pick one as my answer. Good call. Who do you like to hang out with, Ben? All right. So there's there's a lot of options right here. Um, let's see here. So these range from these range from you know people with the same interests as me. Uh, to your parents, to your just you and your best friend. But you know what? I can have myself a great time with just about anybody. There's there's times that I do love just hanging out at the house or going out to a restaurant with my wife. Yeah. A restaurant, a good place to go. There's times that I really love just hanging out by myself and working on you know music or making videos or whatever. And yeah. there's plenty of times I love just hanging out with my friends. I can have a good time doing about anything. So I'm going to choose... With anybody I please, really. All right. All right. <laughs> I, if I'm completely honest with myself, I love being alone the most because yeah. uh, I think I'm the coolest person in the world. And you can have your penis out. Yeah, the whole time. <laughs> but I actually really love uh, meeting strangers and stuff. But mostly I spend all of my time with my wife all of my free time with my wife uh, but i hate the word lover so i'm Ooh. gonna refu- i'm gonna refuse to say my lover and i'm gonna say just me and my best friend me and my best friend <laughs> what do you value most out of these 70 options ben <laughs> of these 75 different things that one could value listen I- I'll-, I'll list them off your own rules Ooh. life itself Ah. Your stakes. Stakes. Your strength. Ooh. Freedom. It ain't free. Family. Mm. Oh, sorry. Mi familia. Mi familia. Power. Ooh. Your safety. Love. Oh. Knowing you are loved. Mm-hmm. Intelligence. Loyalty. Friends. This is an idea of how many options there are for these questions right here. Yeah. I would say of those right there, I value my own rules more than anything. I have been a yeah. I've been a self-employed person for a very long time and yeah. I have I've worked very hard to 
try to carve a path out for myself in life to where I, I don't have anyone to answer to other than myself and my, my own deadlines and so on. So me too. This see, and that's what I would have said, but you're saying it. So I'm going to go with freedom, which is a loaded term. And I'm, I'm hoping it means like intellectual and personal freedom, but maybe it means like rock flag and eagle freedom i don't know <laughs> maybe it means the freedom to die of a random illness that you have because you just don't have enough money to get it fixed hell yeah that's real freedom boy <laughs> steven choose a gem i'm talking about a uh, g-e-m precious stone gem what are you choosing uh, boy? if 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 it had been choose a J-I-M, <laughs> I'll tell you what, that'd be a tough one. You gonna choose a Belushi? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh gosh. Can we talk about this just for a second? Can we talk about Jim Belushi? Yeah. Is he funny? No. <laughs> ever? <laughs> Who has what ever is thought he was funny? Uh, what? But you hear so many people be like, oh, Jim Belushi was a comic genius. All right, I'm just going to right now blow your fucking brains out. I'm a zit. Get it? I'm a comic genius now. Uh, dude, it's one of those things, though, like, have you ever gone back and watched, like, that first season yes. of SNL? It's shit. It's, it's, it's terrible. Horrible. And, dude, even, like... Every season of SNL is as bad and as good as every other season. Yeah, pretty much. But even on that first season, they have, like... Some stand-up comics and stuff. I even remember, I think yeah. maybe one of the first or second episodes, they had George Carlin on there. And yeah, I think it was the first episode. Not positive. No disrespect to Carlin, because he did amazing things later in his career. But dude, early stand-up comedy in the 70s, they seriously not had... Good. Dude, they hadn't figured it out yet. They just yeah, hadn't fucking figured great. it out. Oh, it's terrible, dude. So I, I think maybe it's one of those in the land of the blind kind of issues where, you know... Yeah. Yeah, Jim Belushi never really has made me fucking die laughing, but goddamn, comedy just wasn't funny back then. Uh, yeah, like whenever I meet people who say they love uh, the Blues Brothers or Caddyshack or Animal House, I'm like, I, okay, like, all right. I mean, there are funny things in those movies, but yeah. they just don't, they don't hit me in the way that, uh, any comedy in the past 30 years has hit me. They're no Paul Blart mall cop, I'll tell you that. Oh yeah, for sure. They're no uh, Zookeeper. Bridesmaids. Or, you know, well, no, okay, Bridesmaids is good. I thought we were naming <laughs> shit. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, choosing a gym, I'm going to choose a Sapphire. That is what my wife uh, chose for her wedding band and i'm a big fan of the color blue right on man i'm gonna go with an emerald because i like a green choose an animal ben just do it don't even think about it god damn there's so many animals to choose from um <laughs> you know judging by uh some of the stuff i've been doing lately which i'll talk about later which involves me playing a a crazy white tiger print guitar. I'm going to choose tiger because that's kind of my spirit animal right now. Yeah, and tigers are scary as shit. Um, I'm going to choose what I would be, I guess, uh, were I to be a gay man. A bear. <laughs> Strong choice. 
Uh-huh. Now, Steve, what would you want the most out of these? I'm going to rip these off here real quick so our listeners can yeah. have an idea here. Would you want your own shop, all the power in the world, true love, a <laughs> loving family, an exciting life, to lead a whole gang for a specific cause, like the Crips, I guess? Oh, yeah. Your very own secret hideout. Oh, whoa, okay. To just live a normal life. What? R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Find out what it means to me. The coolest earrings. What? Man's best friend. To make your own choices all the time, or the bestest friends in the world. What are you going to choose? What do you want the most? Man. Tell me what you want, what you really, really want. I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want, is to make my own choices all the time. Yeah, no doubt, man, no doubt. That that would also, I think that would also be my choice, actually, too. Um, fuck it. We've chosen enough different stuff. That's what I'm going to choose as well. Because like I said, it's like, after doing the kind of self-employed kind of thing, as long as I have, the yeah. thought of going back to living on someone else's schedule and when they want yeah. me to come into work and shit like that. Yeah. Yeah, is, it's the worst. Oh my god, it makes me think about being fucking caught in like a bear trap or something. So to make my own choices all the time is what I want. And do you know at those jobs where they barely pay minimum wage or that or maybe even less that the managers for some reason think you want to take their job? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's insane to imagine that managers are paranoid of the people underneath them. It's yeah, like, I don't, I don't. I don't want your job. I don't want your life. Take your job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. <laughs> um, anyway, so Ben, something bad happened to someone you care about. Shit. How do you react? Ben, you know, man, what do you do? I think I'm going to, I think my usual reaction is to ask them if they need anything to be like, is there anything I can do or anything like that? I'll probably kind of like, feel bad for him and wish that there was something I could do and ask. Maybe I could make him some food or something like that. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the ask him if they need anything. I'm going to go with boil with anger, which is what I do. So Sick. Yeah, I usually get real mad um, and don't like it very much when people that I like get hurt, but I don't like it very much when people in general get hurt. Hmm. So... I'm just angry all the time. <laughs> Megadeth style angry again. Yeah, it's fun. Now, Steve, what do you do in your spare time? Do you like to hang out with your buddies? Read? I do. Uh-oh. Do some sleeping? Best, yeah. Mm-hmm. Go to Big American Amusement Park? Yeah, okay. Those are expensive, though. You do your hobby? Uh-huh. Plot ways to kill people that I dislike. That's kind of a wild card. <laughs> Holy shit. It is. Jesus. I think if you choose that, it just like directly sends your IP address to the FBI or something. <laughs> That's a test right there is what that is. <laughs> Go out and find new people to talk to. Sadly, I have to work most of the time. Play practical jokes on people. I eat. Uh-huh. Intimidate people. Go for a ride on my bike where you collect valuable items. What do you do in your spare time? Um, in my spare time, I read. I read all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Doing old book reading, that's never a bad idea. Oh, yeah. Uh, what do you do, Ben? I basically don't have free time. Uh, I have, I have no yeah. spare time. I, I arrange my life as such because I don't know what to do with spare time. Uh, I abstractly like it. I think that I want it, and then as soon as I have it, I'm like, I wish I was doing something. 
Uh, so, wow. Yeah, I, I'm allergic to spare time, I found. <laughs> it causes you to swell up. Yeah, it does. It gives me the puffies. So actually, in my spare time, I sleep, because that's pretty much the only time that I have spare time is when I'm fucking sleeping. Yeah, well, it's the best thing you can possibly do, I would imagine. Because sleeping sleep. is awesome. Yeah. Ben, what do you want? Yo, I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. Is it amazing hair? Yes, it is. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Figured it out. Yeah. Uh, is it a cool jacket? Lots of magazines, a Land Rover, a bandana, a skateboard, a teddy... Teddy bear or nighty? Ooh. I don't know. Pair of army boots. What? Is this for a 12-year-old? A <laughs> customized motorcycle. <laughs> Thousands of bangles. That special someone. My ears pierced. This is for a 12-year-old. I'm pretty sure. Oreo cookies. Double exclamation. Yeah. So did you're you're going with amazing hair, huh? Yeah. I always want I, I have pretty cool hair, but I always want to have cool hair. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, I'm. I guess I'm gonna have to choose. God, from all of these, because every you, one of these is something a mall kid. Yeah, a mall kid is something that su used to exist. In case you're wondering what a mall kid is. Yeah, really. But it's something that a mall kid would want. Uh, God damn it. I guess. Uh, I guess I could make some money off of selling a customized motorcycle. That's so a, a good customized call. Customized motorcycle. That's a good call. Yeah, you could sell it to somebody with a micro penis or something and really do well yeah. for yourself. Oh gosh, somebody who's like, I hate it when it's quiet. Then my <laughs> thoughts catch up to me. Oh! <laughs> I hate when I'm somewhere and people don't know that I'm there. Oh, it's the worst. <laughs> so, Steve, please choose an emotion. This is another one of those just incredibly badly phrased things. Please choose an emotion. Yes, these are all emotions from the emotion wheel, which is a theory by some guy I can't remember the name of. There's no punctuation in any of that. No, not even on can't. Kindness, admiration, fear, acceptance, joy, sadness, love, trust, apprehension, disgust, vigilance, careful, watch for possible danger. Why is there parentheses on that one? Interest and anger. What are you choosing of those? Oh, man. Um, if I'm just choosing an emotion that uh, I'm going to have to deal with all the time, I would choose interest. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, that's easy. If, if you're full of interest, there's uh, a wonderful World Wide Web. Let's uh, go ahead and preserve net neutrality. Please. Just in case fuck. you're listening. Um, we have the World Wide Web. We have books. We have all sorts of things that can maintain your interest there are movies there are tv shows there are all these things in the world so it's a great uh feeling and a great emotion to have it's an emotion apparently yeah i guess so that's that's also what i would choose too because if there wasn't something that i was obsessing over at any given time i'm not really sure what i would do i'm constantly getting obsessed with one thing or another whether it's a music thing or a cooking thing or a watching thing or whatever so interest would also be mine but i'm going to choose a different different one since you chose that i'm going to go oh, with, okay i'm going to go with an admiration because all right i do a lot of things where i, I try to put out a lot of good stuff to yeah. enhance people's lives and whenever people hit me with feedback that says hey that helped my life out it really does yeah. it, it makes my heart grow two sizes bigger so 
I think uh, if there's anybody out there listening who's like, ugh, an entertainer who likes admiration, the worst. <laughs> Never all, heard of that. Yeah, all entertainers love admiration. Yeah. Even, <laughs> even like, even, okay, Johnny Rotten, I guess, is the person to look to as like the person who's like, I'm an entertainer, but fuck off. <laughs> like, like, Johnny Rotten wants your approval. He wants it so bad. Yeah. Every entertainer in the world wants you to like them and admire them. That's why we exist. That's Basically, what we do. Yep. yep. Can't, can't help it. Can't help it. At least I'm honest about it. Yeah. Why lie about it? It's awesome. Yeah. Like, uh, it's really great when people are like, hey, I like the stuff you do. Yeah, it, I think so. It's a great feeling. Yeah. I am okay, so I've read through this entire question and I'm just going to save myself and the person who wrote this quiz the embarrassment of not reading most of it. Please pick a planet, Ben. Yeah. They have the sun on here. The sun's yeah. not a fucking planet. Wait, are you sure about that? Because it is Harry Carey's favorite planet. My favorite like the, the king sun. of all the planets. Yeah. <laughs> if if the moon was made out of cheese, would you eat it? Yeah, the moon's also on here it as is. a series. Uh, but yeah, I don't know what's going on here. What, what's your favorite planet, though, Ben? You know, of these, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna go with Jupiter because actually, uh, one of the first message boards I ever joined, probably circa the mm -hmm. millennium, uh huh, was uh, was a gym site, which is a guitar player forum for Ibanez guitar players and stuff. And my username on there was Jupiter for reasons I can't really remember. So I'm gonna go with Jupiter. Good choice. I'm gonna go with uh, Uranus, which is uh, I did a third grade report on Uranus. I picked it specifically because I thought it was funny that <laughs> I would do that I would do a report on Uranus. And the entire time I pronounced it Uranus. Nice. Which like undercut the third grade joke, but was to me hilarious. So in the third grade, you're like, I'm not going to say the anus thing. And you d deliberately said Uranus. Yeah. And I thought it was so funny. Like in my head the whole time, I'm like, man, this is so funny. But the entire time, everyone was just staring at me like... What? I don't care. It's a third grade report. We're not listening. But like in my head, I was like, I'm entertaining people. Uh, <laughs> Meaning yourself as a person. Also, I, yeah. Also, I pick it because it's got some real interesting elements. Like uh, it, its rotation is different than all the other planets. And mm -hmm. it has rings going from north to south and stuff like that. That's real cool. It's also kind of like a butt. No, oh, also anus. Have you guys heard of that word? <laughs> That's pretty badass that you went that route with it. I thought it was so funny, I and I was funny. so disappointed. I also, uh, I believe this was not far from that uh, in third grade. A, a guy in my class who I won't name because I don't want to embarrass him with this story. Mm. But Brandon Wood. You son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a guy went to the bathroom and he came back. And this was like at the end of the day when you're waiting for the bus. You know this, Ben, from, from being at homeschool. No. When they're calling, no? When they're calling the different buses and you wait in the class, he came back and I said, and I thought this was real clever. I thought of this while he was gone. I said to him, did you make the shit spit? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, I thought that was hilarious. And so did he. He laughed a lot. 
And then seconds later, he walked up to the teacher and told her what I said. And then she asked me to write down what I said. And so I sat and real quickly was trying to think of other ways to say that, to pretend like I didn't say what I said. And I was going to write, did you make the dookie fly? (laughs) But I couldn't figure out how to spell dookie. So I decided to own up to it. (laughs) (laughs) And what was the result of your honest confession? Were you rewarded? Well, Mrs. Quirles yelled at me. She was not happy. (laughs) Not about your honesty. No, she she didn't even praise me for my honesty. <laughs> <laughs> it was a different time back then. You were just a young indigo child. Weren't I you? didn't get my participation trophy, Ben. <laughs> That's the problem. That's why we've ended up the way that we are. That's why I've ended up as none other than David from the Lost Boys. <laughs> That's who I got. God damn it. How did we answer 13 questions with 15 different answers per question and we both got David? Oh my god. So it says you're most like David from The Lost Boys. You like to be the one in control and love to be respected. You have a rather persuasive but likable personality. You are also protective of your close circle. I can't argue with any of that. Yeah, but it's it's also vague. It's like yeah. it seems like most people. Yeah, exactly. Who who isn't protective of the people in the close circle? I got my yeah. close circle of friends, but fuck all of them, really. Who doesn't like to be in control? I guess there are people who are like, I don't want that responsibility, but most people would prefer to be the one who You know what? Maybe we're showing our Davidness right now. Could be. It really, really could be. Yeah. So anyway, uh way to go quote v.com man we learned so much about ourselves through that that's true and i remembered two stories from the third grade which happened in the 80s <laughs> and the 80s are a huge point about this flick that we're covering here which is the lost boys which came out in 1980 what steve 80 1987 87 19 and 87 when did you see this for the first time I believe the first time I saw this was probably around 1987, mm-hmm. and that was the only time I had seen it until we watched it for this. And actually, I think we texted about this, that neither one of us remembered this movie. No, huh? Because I know yeah. that I had seen it before, not when I was a kid, but sometime during mm-hmm. my, you know, probably late teens or early 20s or something like that. But looking back on it, I'm pretty sure that this is one of those ones that we put on, probably on a VHS from a rental place. And then I bet that I was too busy engaged in locking lips. Or perhaps oh, I should say man. getting real makey outy. I don't think I actually Ooh. watched this. Like, I didn't remember any of it. Neither did Kate, too. Like, we knew that we had watched it some point a long time ago. Uh-huh. But we were sitting here being like, this is basically like the first time that I've seen this movie. I thought that I had seen it and that I remembered it. And then all this shit's happening. I'm like, yeah, I don't remember any of this stuff. So this might as well have been the first time that I really watched this movie just a couple days ago. Yeah. Somebody may as well have told me this was, uh, the Baron Stain bears. Right. And I'd be like, Oh, what's that? Yeah. I've never heard of it. I know the Baron Steen bears in my head. This movie ended with queen singing we are the champions and then at the end it went of the world and then the movie ended but it turns out that's actually not how that song ends either so this is no a, it's not this is a <laughs> wow. Ma- mandela effect movie right here 
Wow. R.I.P. Um, <laughs> From a long time ago. Oh, yeah, but a long time ago. Not recently. No. Uh-uh. Um, so, yeah, this, this movie, directed by Joel Schumacher, who it's a name I would say we... Uh, most people would know from directing the two Batman movies he did, Batman uh, Forever. Or was it Batman Forever or Batman and Robin? Yeah, Batman and Robin and Batman Forever. He's the man who put fucking nipples on Batman and made him smile in the costume. Yeah, but he also directed... He's directed a lot of stuff that uh, is still good. St. Elmo's Fire, yeah, which he directed before this. Mm-hmm. He uh he had he's had a good career. He also just because this is going to be something we're going to talk about and something I think is a further theme I've learned about vampire movies and that is if most of the ma- vampires are males there's also a gay theme to the movie. Right. Uh Joel Schumacher has been openly gay throughout most of his career and no. he has yeah, and he has stated that his sexuality has been purposely reflected as a statement in many of his films how in the world did he catch the gay (laughs) well (laughs) then it was the 80s it was going around yeah everybody was sharing needles and stuff like this and yeah it'll give you the gay um (laughs) but obviously i'm hinting at the relationship between michael 114 times michael 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 Michael. Uh uh-huh michael is said in this movie 114 times the it's name Michael. ridiculous, dude. It's insane how many times they say yeah. it. It's kind of like, you know, usually whenever we watch these movies, I have a hard time remembering the names of the characters. And I'm like, that, you know, uh, blonde guy or whatever. But in this movie, right. Michael and David, I'll never forget the rest of my life. They also say David yeah. like a million times, but not nearly yeah. as many as they say Michael. No. But that Michael David relationship is obviously something special. I mean, sure. there I've said this before um, on an episode, can't remember which one, but it, oftentimes when there is a love triangle, it is the two people of the same sex using the person of the opposite sex as an intermediary to, to come together. All right, Sigmund fucking Freud. Fine. <laughs> oh, man, right? I think it was on Fright Night you were talking about that. Yeah, I think that's actually Judith Butler. Not positive on that, but hey, Judy Butts. Um, the the thing is that the, in this, it it's hard to call it a love triangle because uh, Kiefer Sutherland, David... Seems to have no interest in Jamie Gertz, a.k.a. Star. A.k.a. that bitchy doctor from Twister. What? No! I know, Jamie dude. Gertz. Dude, we yeah. turned the movie on it, and I was like, I was watching it with Kate, and I'm like, damn, she, for one, she is a hottie bow body. And I'm like, what yeah, do I know she's her She's a very from? pretty woman, yeah. And Kate was like, oh my god, she's the fucking psychiatrist doctor lady from Twister. And I'm like, oh, yeah. that's exactly what I know her from. Yeah, and he he seems to have power over her, but like David doesn't seem to have any sexual interest in her. No, uh-uh, not at all. He seems to value her as a part of their uh, pack, you know. Yeah, he is much more interested in Michael. Now Absolutely. Michael is more interested in Star, but he's also he is enamored with David. Oh, clearly, yeah, absolutely yeah. so. 
Oh, and also, I, I should mention that this is all set in Santa Carla, which is, in fact, Santa Cruz, California. And in the movie, it is a town of punks and degenerates. Like, And, dude, I love in that opening scene where they're cruising into town and it shows all of those punks hanging out around the pier and stuff. Yeah. They look like fucking people that you see now with like half their head shaved and shit like that like they just look like normal people from now yeah that yeah watching it now from my perspective like i know that when i saw this when i was little i wanted to emulate a lot of the fashion it was this and uh mad max beyond thunderdome oh hell yeah yeah i thought those were like the heights of fashion so your mom would give you a shirt and you'd be like can't this have some holes in it or right like can i be wearing some sort of weird like fingerless gloves or something football pads Um, i don't know but yeah watching it now it's just like yeah it's fine they look fine what's the problem here? pretty much any of those people looks like they're ready to make you like a a soy latte or something yeah And it would probably be a great soy latte. The person with the confidence to shave one side of their head is probably also real confident in in how good your like flat white is gonna come out. Mm. So like, you know, I read a thing recently that said that basically a let me think how this was phrased a vanilla soy latte uh-huh. is essentially a type of three bean soup. <laughs> 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 it's true. <laughs> oh my god! In, in the future, that's gonna be one of the things that teenagers are gonna be like, "Oh, gross! All those beans! Yeah. Yuck! What are you, what are you hobos? You just drinking <laughs> a can of beans?" <laughs> but yeah, I do love the aesthetic of this movie. Everybody looks so fucking cool. That the the gang of vampires and stuff clearly, clearly influenced by kind of the the hair metal. You know, kind yeah. of style of the time, and that's yeah, that's the thing about this. Cool. That's the thing about this flick, dude. And I think that I couldn't have watched this at at a better time uh, because of my recent shenanigans and stuff. So last yeah. last Saturday, I played my my debut show with Skank Banger, which is an '80s hair metal cover band with myself and Andy Wood and a whole cast of just other incredible players. Uh, we played our first show on Saturday in Knoxville, and it was unbelievable, dude. Unbelievable. Like, it's it's made my week. Like, that's one of the most fun shows that I've ever played in my life. And everybody in the band is completely committed. And everybody's wearing fucking spandex and doing high kicks and fucking awesome. po- you know, posing and all this stuff. Uh, so it's 80s as fuck. It's nothing but Poison and Motley Crue and Def Leppard and yada yada. So... We watched uh, we watched this movie the day after the show, so I was still in like peak, <laughs> peak '80s mode. So we watched this flick the very next night, and I was like, "God damn, this is exactly what I wanted to watch to wrap up this weekend." It is so wonderfully fucking '80s, man. All the teenagers are wearing fucking sick clothes and shit. All the grown-ups are wearing suits with fucking shoulder pads and stuff. Oh man, I'll tell you this. Uh I found all of that kitschy but also off-putting because <laughs> I I remember that era of fashion pretty well and I remember how terrible it was. Yeah. To 
to ever see a person who looks like that. So watching this, I was just like, like, I like the hair metal aesthetic. I hate the big shoulder pads. I hate like, I hate the way Max is dressed the entire time. I hate it so much. Oh, you're talking about, okay, so Max is the owner of the video store in the uh, flip. Yeah. And whenever he yeah. came on screen, I was like, damn. I said, Kate, what do I know that guy from? Who is that? Gilmore Girls. Okay, dude, she goes, that's Rory's dad. And I turn and I look at her and I go, don't you mean Lorelai's dad? Oh, shit. And she Bart, turned, Kate. Dude, and then she turned to me and said, you're so cool, Brewster. <laughs> <laughs> really? No, but it, oh, that pretty would much. Have been awesome. <laughs> <laughs> You're so cool, Brewster. Jesus Christ! No, that's awesome. Cause like, I, I can't see Edward Herman as anything but Richard Gilmore. No. And so watching this, the only way I can see him is as. Uh, this rich, old, overly intelligent, uh, Connecticut, uh, like really rich, ridiculously smart dude who's for some reason owns a video store in this punk town and dresses like he dresses like the dude who owns the Max in Saved by the Bell. Like, absolutely. And he's got that like grown up bowl cut too. Oh, God, and it's the worst. And, like, just those fucking 80s glasses, those, like, gold-rimmed fucking <sighs> 80s glasses. That's all you can describe it as. Yeah, he he looks insane, but he's also Richard Gilmore, so the whole time I'm like, yeah, I, I like him. Yeah. But, like, uh, a spoiler alert, in case you're listening to this podcast and didn't expect any spoilers, but when we find out that he's the, the head vampire... Mm-hmm. And he he's talking, and he turns around, and then turns back in his vampire makeup. He sticks his tongue out like, Haha, right? It's yeah. so funny, and it's just like <laughs> undercuts the entire buildup of the movie for me. I see like, that. Yeah, the way, and also the the movie doesn't build up to him being the head vampire, so we'll have to talk about that too. But. Yeah. Richard Gilmore, yay. Yay. And the movie is also full of a whole bunch of other people that are all ridiculously good looking. Like that is that is one thing yeah, that I would say. Yeah, it's a good looking movie. Yeah, dude. It's it's one of those things where you know, J- Joel Schumacher is obviously v- very well known for making everything fucking sexy. Again, the bat nipples and shit like that. Mm-hmm. And everybody yeah. in this movie is like a fucking 10. Um, man, woman, yeah. and child, dude. That fucking that fucking dog, Nanook. Oh yeah, I'd fuck the shit out of that dog. Yeah, I'd lay it to that dog. That dog would be like, please, human, stop. <laughs> Him and uh, and Max's dog Thorn. Those need to be our head dogs at our brothel for dogs that we're opening. <laughs> <laughs> the third part, of course, to the Hotel Rwanda saga. Hotel Rwanda. Hotel for dogs, and then dog brothel. Born into dog brothels. Born into dog <laughs> brothels. It's about puppies who all they've ever known is life in the dog brothel that Ben and oh, Steve opened. Poor puppies. <laughs> I, we do have to talk about the sexiness of this movie. This was originally written by Janice Fisher and James Jeremias, 
as um, basically it was two eight-year-olds who discovered that there are vampires in their town and they you know get together to fight the vampires mm, mm-hmm. and joel schumacher got a hold of that and he was like it'd be sexier if they were teenagers and stuff right 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 and so he got uh hollywood script doctor jeffrey bohm to come in and rewrite the script who that is now, jeffrey bohm you need to understand this guy jeffrey bohm is like my Hollywood hero because most of what he did was come in and save scripts. So is he kind of like the wolf, but for scripts? Yes. And if you look at a picture of him, you'd be like, yeah, that guy could be nicknamed the wolf. Damn. Um, but he died early, he died at like 53. But the thing is that he, he came in to the lethal weapon franchise oh. with the first movie and did a number of rewrites not enough to get his name uh on the the screenplay credit or written by credit but he did some rewrites so when they went to do lethal weapon two and three they brought him in to write it okay um he also came in and fixed inner space which is an okay movie but has been like duplicated so many times that it's like well obviously Space was a movie that had a lot of impact he also came in to rewrite what Steven Spielberg and uh, George Lucas had done with the third Indiana Jones that is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade really yeah he he completely redid it to the point where he got the entire writing credit holy cow i didn't know that i wonder what the original was like yeah um steven spielberg was not into the idea of using the uh cup of christ the the holy grail (laughs) fucking jew am i right (laughs) (laughs) no I think I think he had other objections to it. But uh, um he also co-created the adventures of Briscoe County Jr., which I've talked about before. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this guy um he, he did some he good this, stuff. He did some good stuff. He had a short career. He he died young, 53, pretty young. But like he he did some real good stuff in that time. And I think what he did with this movie is this movie was basically designed as the Lost Boys being Dracula meets Peter Pan. Right, because it was kind of originally written around the idea that Peter Pan and the band of Lost Boys could have been vampires as they are always. Yeah, exactly. They're never aging. They fly around at night to people's windows and and so on and so forth. So I I read that in the original script, it was very overt where it's like David's character is named Peter and they even had like a bunch of the other characters named from uh, characters from Peter Pan, like Wendy and shit like that. But they they changed that because it was a little little too on the nose yeah it it was far too on the nose now what i think that jeffrey boehm did with this is really great he took the idea of the two eight-year-old vampire hunters and turned them into van helsing and his you know three suitors for lucy westerna 
and so that that would be the Frog Brothers and uh, Corey Haim. Right. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. And in my theory here, the Van Helsing is Grandpa. Okay, I catch we that. We learn we learn that he is definitely the Van Helsing type of character in the very end of the movie. And there's there's little hints too through the movie where you can see him just like watching yeah. certain things. Like what does he, he seems to know to? what's yeah. going on? Yeah, uh, and he says at the very end, the thing I could never stomach about Santa Carla: all the damn vampires. Like he's been fighting these vampires for a very long time. So he's the Van Helsing type. That's cool. Yeah, he totally... And he's even kind of like the nutty, squirrely guy, too. He is. On the other side, we have the Peter Pan Lost Boys. And, of course, the Lost Boys are, you know, our vampire kids. Kiefer Sutherland, uh, Bill S. Preston Esquire. Yeah. Uh, and those other two guys. The Hunks. And And then Peter Pan, then, would have to be Max. Yeah, absolutely so. And... That makes Lucy, um, who is obviously named after Lucy Westerna from Dracula, sure. that makes her, um, uh, what's the darling girl's name? Wendy? Uh, yeah, Wendy. Yeah, yeah, that makes her Wendy Darling. So which one of them is Rufio? <laughs> well, Rufio is obviously Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, but <laughs> he's kind of got the look. We also have... Uh, Jamie Gertz playing Star, yeah. which is the the star that leads to Neverland. Oh, and that's that is all she plays in this movie. In Damn, fact, look at that wordplay. She is just the thing that leads him to Neverland and the Lost Boys. She, uh, the female characters in this are terribly written and terribly dealt with. You know, that's that's badass, though, Steve. I'd never thought about that before, how her name is fucking Star, and she is. She is just kind of the bait that leads Michael, Michael, yeah. Michael, Michael, Michael to David, 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 and the Lost yeah. Boys. That's a really cool point, man. Good, good call. Which uh, makes, of course, that kid, Laddie, uh, Tinkerbell, I guess? I, I don't guess know. so. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you saying about the females in this movie? Uh, they're fucking terribly written if you pay attention to most of the things they say most of the things they say are either questions or accepting blame hmm oh okay so they're either being extremely passive or accepting that they're the root of the problem for all the men in the movie sounds like some good republican voters out there if you ask me <laughs> exactly <laughs> um, so she star she has no agency whatsoever she is just a tool of david to get michael the entire time right that's all she does and then the mom is her ultimate goal in the vampire plan is for her like wendy to become the mother of the lost boys right yeah yeah she has no real other purpose other than just being a mom yeah so she's already a mom and the the goal for her is to become more of a mom like <laughs> that's not An a undying character arc. mom yeah it's not a character arc that's not a character that's that's just a piece of furniture so it's very true the the female characters are very terribly written. 
But the dynamics between all the male relationships are very interesting. Yeah, I think so too. And and I do think I can totally side with you in, in saying that the the female characters in the movie are are beyond shallow, especially now that you point that kind of stuff out. And there there definitely could have been, you know, a cool ass, you know, badass vampire chick in the bunch or something like that. But I do think that a lot of this movie is exploring um male relationships especially when it comes to other males and finding their place in society and finding their role fitting in with other males and stuff like that too i think that um i think that family is a big theme throughout this flick and it's one of those things i don't want to get too terribly too terribly into my family life or anything like that but like as a kid um i just have one brother i have my older brother noah who's three years older than me and our dad wasn't really around very much when we were kids. Um, mm-hmm. He was there. It's not like he was a truck driver or something like that. But he was there. But he was typically just down in the garage doing his own thing or overseeing his mom and dad or something like this. Just wasn't really there. Didn't really care to interact with uh, myself okay. and my brother very much. And as a result of that, uh, my brother spent very much of his childhood trying to find other male figures in his life whether that was Hmm. neighborhood dads you know just going over to the neighbor's house and and trying to hang out with one of the dads or Mm -hmm. finding other you know older boys and stuff to hang out with he was always trying to find a father somewhere and so whenever i was watching this movie that's that's really something that i saw out of this i saw in you know uh michael and Corey Haim, I saw. I thought it was very much actually like my brother and I, where my brother, being the older one, was always going off in search of this father figure, and I, I didn't really, I didn't really ever look for any of that. I was kind of fine with what I had, much like Corey yeah. Haim's character in the flick. So I was just watching my brother go out and do all this stuff, and you know, get into get into trouble hanging out with other older guys who were into, you know, things of the seedier nature and dangerous lifestyle and yada yada. Mm-hmm. I, I could. Yeah, exactly. White Snake, Def Leppard, mm-hmm. Molly Crew, um, Great White. <laughs> my my my. I I saw a lot of my own kind of like childhood whenever I was watching this flick, and I think that there's something to be said of that because in the movie, you know, they're moving out there because their father has he's uh, he didn't die. They got a divorce, right? Yeah, they got divorced, and it seems like the way that they talk about it that the the grandfather indicates that maybe it was a well-justified divorce. Yeah. But also that the mother, played by Diane Weist, uh, didn't press it enough. She didn't press to get maybe some sort of alimony or uh, child support. Which is why they're out there living with Grandpa. Yeah. But I see that kind of thing in this flick where, like I said... uh a boy seeks a father you know uh, i think that that happens very 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 often in life with certain types of people i never it never struck me but it definitely did strike my brother so i think that the i think that the thin female characters in this movie i don't think it's a knock towards females i just think that it's a a way to make the exploration of the male dynamic a little bit more overt in this movie you know, this is real interesting because now I'm starting to understand that the Dracula story is a story about a search for a father. Uh-huh. 
because uh, Dracula can become a surrogate father to whoever he bites. Right, yeah. The Peter Pan story is a story about a search for the mother. Absolutely, yep. And so at some point, that combination, they they leaned more toward Dracula. They, they decided to make this story about a, a boy, Michael, in search of a father, and in this case... He, he seems to be, David seems to be a father figure to him. Right, exactly. exactly. And that's the interesting thing, too, is whenever you compare the kind of two camps of, you know, da- uh, Michael and his family versus David and his camp, it's like Michael is in search of a father. Meanwhile, David and his camp are in search of a mother. Um, it's yeah. all about trying to fill in the blanks. It really is. And the thing is that, seeing the way that his family interacts, Michael's family, it's a great sort of family dynamic. The the mom, Lucy, she seems to try to communicate with her kids and yeah. to try to stay involved in their lives and stuff. And at home, he has this loving, secure family dynamic. And the, the dynamic he's looking for is chaotic. He wants chaos and the fear of death, and he wants it to be uh, scary and frightening. He wants it to be something different. Yeah, and he wants approval from superior males. Yeah, so it seems like what uh, Lucy was running from was a a relationship with a man who uh, went out and partied a lot or went out and spent all his time with his male friends. Yep. Yeah, which again, that's the dynamic that I came from. So I, I completely see that. Yeah. And here's the thing about Michael, though, is that he tries to buy those things. Mm-hmm. And we see those in particular scenes. He buys that leather coat and the the salesman says something like, oh, you know, that's great. You look great in it for sure. And then like he buys the, the sunglasses and then he's about to buy the ear piercing. Yeah. Like, he's he's trying to buy this personality. Mm-hmm. And the people who have that personality he's trying to buy see him making the effort and see that he's sort of lost. And one could say they take him in, and another could say that they take advantage of him. Yes, uh, exactly. I think they, they take advantage of him. Yeah, I think so, too. So yeah, like it's the story is about Michael, but the way that they put this movie together, the story of this movie is about Max and the mom and Corey Haim and Corey Feldman and the other frog brother. Like even though Michael is on the screen more and the Lost Boys are on the screen more and they have the title, the actual story that's moving along is the story of uh, gosh, I really can't remember Corey Haim's character's I can't name. It's Corey Haim. Sam. Is. It was Sam. He's Sam. Corey Haim. Yeah, and this is actually one of Corey Haim's like early, like big movies. He had been in Lucas and I think something else. And this is the first Corey Corey movie. Corey Haim and Corey. Oh, it's the first one. Yeah. Uh, this is the first time they met, and also Corey Haim has said this is the first time he smoked weed on set. Uh, the first time he had kind of gotten to partying with Mm. the other people so damn that's sad 
Yeah, he's a but fucking kid. He is. He's a kid. He's a uh, a young kid. But he he's about the same age as Corey Feldman, and Corey Feldman had been, I guess, partying for a few years at this point. Jeez. Yeah, it's it's sad. But they're the main story because they're the ones who are actually seeking out the main vampire, trying to figure out who it is, trying to kill that person to save Michael. Michael's story is a secondary story, but it's given all of the focus. Sure. It's, it, but there's not a lot of advancement there. Like, Michael doesn't learn that he doesn't need to be a part of a certain group to become a man. That's true. All he learns is that this group is vampires, and I gotta kill them to get out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. He doesn't really find himself and his own worth and so on throughout the throughout the, no. the course of the story. That's a good point. But they're along the way of, of doing that and finding out that like you said, he needs to fucking kill these vampires. We get yeah. some fucking great gore scenes in this movie. Yeah, this this movie is well done in the special effects department. I think so too, man. And it's cool too because like the first time that you really see I mean, really, the first time that you see fucking fangs on the vampires and the vampires in their true forms and gore and stuff like that is like an hour into the movie. Like, you had really been kind of coasting yeah. at that point, just enjoying all the all the pretty people. And then they go to that scene where the vampires ambush that group of dudes like partying at that bonfire and they annihilate them, dude. They oh, my God. Yeah. And it's it's it's. It shows the power of vampires in that moment, but here's what I see from a 2017 perspective. Okay. I lived in that time. I I don't remember a lot. I was extremely young at that time, but what I do know is that the people on that beach dancing, those were punks. Yeah. The song they were listening to was Run DMC's Walk This Way, Mm -hmm. which is not punk. The way they are uh, uh, referenced in the credits is surf Nazi. Okay, I noticed that, yeah. What about them was Nazi-like? Well, that's exactly what I learned by looking up what a surf Nazi is, is that in the mid-80s, people had apparently forgotten what a Nazi was and they thought it was just somebody who had a clear goal and wanted to get it done. Because a surf Nazi is someone who surfs all the time. Like a soup Nazi might be. Yeah, but a soup Nazi at least had a dictatorial element to him. (laughs) Surf Nazis don't. They just surf all the time. And so somebody was like, that's like, you know how like Nazis always wanted to kill Jewish people all the time? It's like that. It's like that. Like they want to surf all the time. What? Like, I don't understand the connection. No. But that's the exact problem I have with the scene on the beach. It's awesome. Great display of vampire power. But what it does for me is it says that the people who made this movie don't even understand the year 1987. Hmm. So, like, as someone who's, like, gone back and read novels and tried to get, like, historical data out of reading a novel, what I learned was you can't. 
you can't trust a fictional work to give you actual historical data because what you're talking about is dudes who would have been into this is California. They would have been into bad brains. They would have been into like, uh, you know, uh, dead X, Kennedys. Dead Kennedys. They would have been into all sorts of bands, but they wouldn't have been listening to Walk This Way by Run DMC. <laughs> they wouldn't. They wouldn't also have been referred to as surf Nazis, because how do you maintain that insane mohawk that one of them had and also surf all day? Yeah, that thing's coming down real fast. Yeah, so like, uh, it it sort of displays this, uh, let's throw a bunch of buzzwords at the issue <laughs> to yeah. try to make the script make more sense. We're hip. But, yeah, we're hip. Yeah, uh, Zach Morris, right, guys? He's <laughs> Bayside. Surfer dude. Um, so, yeah, I had a problem with that, but it's also a real cool scene. The main problem I have with ever taking any of the vampires seriously is that Bill S. Preston Esquire is one of the vampires. He is. And... And his personality is Bill S. Preston Esquire. Oh, absolutely so, man. And the, he's got a fucking sick mullet. There's so many mullets in this movie, dude. His mullet is sick in the sense of, like, it kind of grosses me out. <laughs> like, think about touching that shit. Like, it, God, it looks gross because he has curly hair. Yeah. But it looks like it's, like, so hairsprayed down. Dude, the amount of effort Ugh. you have to put into making curly hair look greasy is unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, speaking of making curly hair look greasy, we have to talk about one of the most iconic scenes from this movie oh, that I yeah. think fits so well into what I'm talking about right now, and that is the sax guy. Sexy <laughs> sax man, dude. So that guy that we see on the pier... Playing uh -huh. a concert that people are just like flipping their shit over. He's That's all Tim Capello. Tim Capello. So he played sax for, is it Tina Turner, I think? Played for Tina Turner. He played for a lot of people you would recognize. Peter Gabriel, he played on wow. his first two albums. Like uh, The guy was legit. He's a legit sax player who got his education at the New England Conservatory of Music. Oh, damn. He probably knows how to jazz your ass. But... What do we know about Tim Capello? Well, okay, I'll tell you one thing that I know about this guy. So uh -huh. he had been kind of off the radar for a little while until a couple of years ago. Um, the motherfucking Darkness, who I find to be one of the most truly appealing rock and roll bands of the past 20 years. I love the Darkness. I agree with you. They fucking found that guy and picked him up, and he's been out on tour with the Darkness for a couple of years. Like, even though why they, wouldn't you? He's dude, a real fucking musician. Like. I know, but it's so cool because like they don't even have saxophone on their records, but they're like, we want to get greasy, sexy sax man from the '80s uh -huh. on tour with us. Like, that's the kind of shit that I would do if I had that fuck you tour budget, you know? Well, here's the thing about Tim Capello is that they did the the digital short in like 2010 or 11 mm -hmm. uh, called The Curse, which was John Hamm basically playing this character, but like it was also like thinner. Like, why? <laughs> I haven't seen this. You haven't? No. Oh my god. Oh shit. Okay. Well, I'll I'll have to post this uh, on our our Instagram and Tight. stuff, but. 
uh, he basically, uh, Andy Samberg is cursed by a gypsy and the curse is that whenever he's in a, an intimate moment, this guy with the saxophone shows up and it's John <laughs> Hamm. What? And it basically the short, the short is a, a very effective horror film if you think of it. And I don't want to ruin it for you since you haven't seen it. Yeah, but I'm going like, to watch it. This sounds incredible. Just when you watch it, think of it as a horror, like a real quick horror film, maybe like three minutes. Awesome. Um, Really well done. But this guy seriously is what he's no shirt. He has like, I wouldn't say curly hair, but wavy hair in a ponytail. And it's yeah. like gross, kind of like it's got a lot of whatever sort of relaxer he needed to use to get it into a ponytail. He's got that soul glow going on. He does. He got that soul glow and he's super buff, but he's all, he's also like, like if you don't know his actual story, what you would have to think is he is a Jersey shore asshole who thinks that (laughs) what, whatever is the prominent sound in a song, the lead singer is doing it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's how it always is in movies and shit. Yeah, so like he's singing, and then when the saxophone starts, he's playing a saxophone, but it's like, there's no way he's playing that fucking saxophone. But he is. But he really like, is. I know. How? I know. How is it makes no sense. And dude, he's fucking like thrusting the shit out of that thing too. He's and, going to town. And you look at that guy, it's the, it's the kind of thing, and I know exactly what you're saying. You're like, you watch that and you're like, there's no way that's the guy that's actually playing what I'm but hearing he, right it's, now. It's this guy yeah. who can play a fucking saxophone, but also can do several sit-ups. Also looks like he could just be a like a fucking old school 80s WWF pro wrestler fighting against yeah, Ravishing Rick Rude looks, or something. I would love to see him in a tag team with Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Oh. Just like in a, a hair versus hair match with yeah. Ravishing Rick Rude <laughs> and Brett the Hitman Hart or Shawn Michaels. I don't care, whichever. I would like to see him have a flex off with Mr. Perfect. Oh, yeah. That would be he, awesome. He, he's kind of got, or maybe a Lex, uh, a Lex Luger. Yeah. That's who oh, I want. Oh, yeah. Old broke leg Lex Luger. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Guy is just fucking hunked out like crazy. And I love his chain necklace and shit, too. He's wearing so many chains. And also, like, one thing I noticed is that at a certain point when the Lost Boys are talking to Michael and they're walking yeah. around them, there's a lot of chain rattle noises. But I noticed that none of them are actually wearing chains. (laughs) So, like, there's a big interest in chains in this movie. Yeah, there is. There is. That's that's very, very true indeed. Now, at that pier where we got old Sexy Sax Man performing is also Uh where we meet old Corey Feldman and uh, the other guy who comprised the the Frog Brothers. The Frog Brothers. Uh Uh-huh. Jameson Newlander, I believe is his name. Oh, damn. Who are our vampire hunter kids. And, um... You know, they're they're working at this comic book store at the pier, and they're both, I don't know, what, like 13 or 14 or something like that, but you get the impression that their parents are old stoners that own the shop, and they're always just passed out stoned or something. This is an important point of this movie. This movie is, like, all of the parents have hippie values, yeah, and all of the kids have punk values. Yeah, totally. So, like, it, it makes this direct association is... If your your parents are hippy dippy like touchy feely parents, 
then you're gonna end up going the opposite way and being this like tough guy sort of punk yeah and i love how feldman is so fucking ramboed out this whole movie he's got the headband on and even the way he talks the entire time sounds like he's like kind of channeling stallone and shit yeah it sounds like he's trying to sound like he will in uh teenage mutant ninja turtles when he plays Raphael. or wait did he play michelangelo he played Raphael, right (laughs) i think so yeah yeah you're right yeah i think so damn <laughs> but yeah, he's he's doing a voice which makes sense cuz he's 16 and I remember being 16 and my voice had changed, but I remember that period where you're sounding like Peter Brady and stuff and you you want to sound like you think you're going to sound as an adult. So he's right. doing this voice. I I think his character is cool and it, it would have been so easy for that to be like so so bad for him to be doing this like hard ass Rambo kid and stuff, but there's a sense of of humor throughout this movie that yes, there is. Yeah. I really dig, and I, I've I've read and listened to a lot of reviews from people who find the humor in this movie to be like way misplaced, and they didn't like that inclusion because basically, um, you know the the elements of the older teenagers of Michael and Star and all them. There's not really a lot of humor or levity in their storylines, but in the younger no, kids, not at all. like Sam and the Frog Brothers, there's a lot of yuck-yuck comedy throughout there. And some people thought that that was really misplaced, but I didn't really at all. No, that's that's the main story. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, you know, kind of paralleling this to, to me and my brother, it's like I remember... You know, my brother being at that age where he was going off, you know, getting into trouble and shit like this, trying to find family, you know, basically. Uh And, you know, I was just a fucking dumb, clueless kid with a bowl cut who would be like, ha ha, he got in trouble again. Ha ha. Like, it, (laughs) you know, it's like to me, everything was kind of funny and stupid and silly. So whenever Sam is like, my own brother's a shit sucking vampire, just wait till mom finds out. It's so good. It's like, to me, that's exactly how I would have reacted to whenever my brother Mm. got in some kind of stupid crazy trouble hanging out with the wrong crowd that's exactly how i would have reacted so i think the humor in this movie is actually pretty natural for the most part especially looking at that that age gap between michael and sam because i just i assume michael's probably around 16 or 17 um which is when you start getting all hard ass and trying to get away from your family and find your identity and shit and then meanwhile sam is probably about what do you think 12 or 13 uh, yeah, I would say like twelve or thirteen. He's he's real into comic books. He he has, I think, one poster with a girl on it in his room. But he also has posters with guys. Rob Lowe. Sort of, <laughs> he has a Rob, Rob Lowe, Lowe poster, poster that's like sexual. Yeah, <laughs> which makes me think like, because I remember being around like eleven or something, and and not like I I think. You know, uh, posters of like Tretch from Naughty by Naster and stuff where he, he would be without his shirt and be like super buff. But like, I didn't get that that was supposed to be sexual. Yeah, you're like, he's he a was cool just like, guy. I like Naughty by Nature. That's awesome. Like, <laughs> so like, he seems to be at that sort of age where it's like, he's still not sure what's going on with life. Um <laughs> And, and and there is this great connection between him and Corey Feldman uh, in this movie. Like, yeah. 
it seems automatic like when they you see them in the first scene it seems like oh these two guys are great together and and they this is the first Corey Corey movie and there are several after Corey Feldman is amazing and we will talk about him I'm sure several more times throughout this podcast because he's in so many great horror movies oh yeah and Corey Haim is also in uh, Silver Bullet so yeah which I know. like it's a cool flick but those guys like they're about the same age at this point. Corey Feldman's a bit more experienced in, uh, you know, shooting film. Corey Haim is just this throughout the movie. You can tell he's just like wide eyed, happy that he's there. Like yeah, exactly. he's happy he's a kid. to be making a movie. He's a kid. He's having a great time. Yep. So it's, it's real fun. Their story is real fun. And if that story along with the mom and Max and grandpa had been put out front. I think this is a better movie. Mm-hmm. It, I think all the lost boys stuff is great, but I think they should have made the cut so that, so that the, the heroes are the stars of the movie. I gotcha. Rather than, than Michael and stuff. Yeah. Michael's not, he's not a hero. He's not a villain. He's just this in between, element that sort of brings the lost boys and this this other storyline together i have a feeling that was probably a producer choice where it's like you know we're going to be selling this movie to teenagers let's make yeah the brooding sexy teenager the main focus because that's who's going to be buying it yeah we're talking about the director of saint elmo's fire we're talking about the time of the brat pack Uh, absolutely that's what they were going for and it's it's great i mean like uh, I, the Breakfast Club crew is cooler to me than the Lost Boys crew, but they're definitely cool. But you know something about the, I guess you could say the contrasting tones of this movie of that, again, the brooding, you know, kind of emo side of Michael versus the more childlike fun of, of Sam and them. It kind of reminds me a lot of ways of that. I sent you a, um, I sent you a little like meme thing the other day talking about, uh, Stranger Things and how basically yeah. every set of characters in yes. that series is playing a different genre where yeah. the young kids are playing this sci-fi coming of age movie. Meanwhile, the older teenagers are in this like horror movie where they got to fight the fucking monsters. And then the grownups in the movie are in this like conspiracy movie kind of thing where yes. they got to put together the details and shit. Yeah. And we needed more detail from that story for sure. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that this movie kind of does a little bit of that, too. And I think that the, you know, the the new It does a little bit of that, too, where it kind of sets yeah. feet in multiple genres, depending on the character. And I, I'm finding that I really, really, really dig that. I like it. Well, you know, again, it's like, to me, to go back to our past episodes, Fright Night... Try, uh-huh. tried to do that in a really gentle way. It's like it didn't really commit. Like we had the kind of bumbling TV host, Vampire Hunter, but they didn't really commit to making it that way. No. It's like no, everything they was just turned up to like a, two. Yeah, they went more for a teen movie, but then, yeah, it was all turned down. It was all sort of nullified by how they didn't want to push a certain angle. Yeah. Exactly. But I think in this, they, they committed to making it a, t- a teen drama and a family comedy and kind of a romance thing in between, too. I think they committed really fully to making it all those things. 
And I think it works personally. I really like that about it. Yeah, I, I, there is so much to like about this movie. I, I really enjoy this movie. I, I'm nitpicking it, I guess, because I love, like, that's what I do with things that I like is I try to, I try to figure out how they could be better. And there's so many ways this movie could be better, Mm -hmm. but I also love so much about it. Uh, Kiefer Sutherland is great in this movie. He's badass, dude. I think I talked about this when we talked about Jamie Lee Curtis and Halloween. Kiefer Sutherland, he's Donald Sutherland's son. He doesn't have to be good to get enough roles to make enough money to live comfortably for the rest of his life. But he is. Yeah, exactly. He is good. Yep. And he goes at this role. He obviously, he's not the one saying Michael every time. He's just reading a script. But he he finds the, I'm going to call it the ennui of being a oh. vampire. Yeah, he, he finds the ennui of being a vampire before we get an uh, interview with a vampire. Mm-hmm. He finds that, like, I'm just bored with living. Totally, yeah. Sort of feeling. He, he's not, like, he, he causes Michael to see his rice's, uh, you know, uh, maggots and then the noodles as worms and it gives him joy for like half a second but then he's immediately back to on board with this totally yeah I like that very much that's what happened if you're fucking immortal yeah yeah exactly like we don't know we don't get the whole backstory of this movie we don't know how long these guys have been around no we know that Max changed them. He's the master vampire in this sense, but we don't know how long they've been around or how long they've been in this city. We know they're rowdy. We know I would hate to be around them. Uh, <laughs> any group of screaming maniac dudes on motorcycles is just not my scene at all. Dude, what is it about a dirt bike that is just the most 80s fucking shit ever? Listen, if the dirt bike had switchblade tires, I would, I would totally get it. (laughs) Yeah, there's something about a fucking dirt bike, and it's like you know when you see, when you see Budnick on that dirt bike in fucking T2, and he's listening to Guns N' Roses. It's just the most badass shit ever. (laughs) It really is. Like this, this is an era where uh, a bunch of dudes, I guess, who didn't get to go to Vietnam but really wanted to see explosions and gun <laughs> violence and stuff, they they wrote themselves as teenagers. Yeah. So, like, in this era in the 80s and early 90s, what you see is, like, a lot of teenagers doing a lot of crazy, like, high-explosive stunts and shit. Yeah. And as people who grew up in that time, we were like, yeah, that's, yes, that's what I want to do. <laughs> Sick. Awesome! How awesome is it whenever uh, Kiefer, as as old David, sheds that single tear at us, man? Yeah, that is interesting. Like, he's really good in this movie. Apparently that happened because those glass fucking contact lenses were just killing his eyes. It was just a, a coincidence that he happened to drop that tear right after he had his hand burnt by the sunlight, but... Man alive, whenever you see it, it is so, so perfectly badass. It really is because what it it indicates is that 
just the slightest feeling of pain is so foreign to him, but also like euphoric. kind of exhilarating. Yeah, it's like yeah. He, it's like I can feel something. This is awesome. Yeah, I I think that this this movie, as far as like delving into the the vampire psyche, this might be the one that that we've done in this month that is is most intimate. It gives us the yep. most close view of of what it would be like to just be immortal yeah exactly how nihilistic that would make how how it would make so much of life just kind of worthless knowing that there's no chance of it ever ending really yeah it it loses all of its luster what do you think about them home alone and the shit out of it at the end of the flick and killing all those vampires in the house <laughs> see that's the movie it should have been like the movie treats that storyline as secondary, but that's the great storyline is these kids overcoming these vampires. Right. And it's so awesome. Like, Garlic doesn't do anything, but they have a tub full of uh, holy water and just melt a dude. Like, it's so cool. That scene, too, where he gets melted is fucking brutal, man. Like, that's what I love is a lot of the, the vampires, like whenever Bill gets stabbed, uh, hanging, oh, hanging upside down. Dude, the screaming and just, like, the spray of blood and all that shit. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's so cool. And I love, too, whenever, again, I, I don't think he was ever really named, but the one hunky-looking vampire that gets thrown into the bathtub full of holy water. Uh, yeah. well, well, like Nanook, the dog, like shoves him into there, which is cool. And then, yeah. you know, all the plumbing in the house just like starts shooting geysers of blood out of it. And what shit. was that? Yeah, that was so interesting to me. Like, I know. Uh, I know they set it up when Corey Feldman said like that they all died differently. Yeah. Uh, so they sort of set up the possibility, I guess, that if you were to kill a vampire in a tub full of holy water, it would back up all the drains and shoot blood out everywhere. I want to know, though, considering that, you know, plumbing systems are all interconnected to some extent. I wonder how far that reach spread. If there are people elsewhere in the county that just suddenly found their mm -hmm. fucking commodes just blowing up with vampire blood and stuff. Well, I mean, as we will learn from the grandpa, they might be used to it. Yeah, this again. Yeah, more more vampire blood coming up from the the drains. Oh no, not a not a drain vampire. That's what they must call them, <laughs> I guess. I love that though, and it seems too like that blood geyser effect just goes on for like the rest of the movie. It just keeps gushing. I think that's cool. Yeah, it really does. And it, it's a cool effect. And then we get the anticlimactic death of David. Okay, yeah. So him and him and Michael are flying around, and he gets impaled on some antelope horns or something, right? Yes. Big problem I have with this. He's been a vampire for at least a day longer than Michael. Yeah. Like he, there's no, there's no power difference. There's no like, he hasn't learned any tricks when fighting other vampires and in the little bit of time, maybe a lot of time he's had between him and, and Michael becoming a vampire. Like right. Michael just handles them. It's not even an issue. Yeah. It kind of turns the tables on that pretty, pretty yeah. easy too. And you know, if you want to get, if you want to get real nitpicky about his death, cause it is very just kind of quiet and stuff. It's not a huge deal. Um, apparently they didn't originally intend for him to be dead, actually. Yeah, they wanted him for the sequel. 
yeah, the Lost Girls, which was going to have, uh, I guess, David and a bunch of a bunch of females in the movie. Uh, so, but you know, there's also other issues too, where it's like, okay, a stake through the heart kills a vampire. Yeah, even in some, you know, some versions, a a silver spike through the heart, whatever, might kill uh-huh. a vampire. But these are just like antelope horns. They're yeah. Why would yeah. it kill them? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just organic material. So I don't know if that would really constitute a vampire killing kind of kind of yeah. weapon there. But so Michael kills or incapacitates David and then we find out what the movie's been about the whole time which is that Max the local video store owner who has passed every vampire test up to this point yeah uh is in fact the head vampire because apparently if you invite a vampire into your home none of the regular vampire things work that is kind of convenient yeah, but luckily they didn't invite him in this time, so they can kill him. But uh, fortunately, or unfortunately, you know what? Uh, uh, uncharacteristically, uh, an old man drunkenly driving into the side <laughs> of a home randomly somehow kills a head vampire, and it's like, okay, yeah, but he's somehow meant for it to happen. It kind of reminds me of that South Park episode where, like, all the old people end up out on the road at the same time. <laughs> yeah. It, why? Why did this happen? Like, the ending is so ridiculous. Like, couldn't they have had him at least just kick in the door and be like, I'll stake you, you goddamn vampire? Like, right. no. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. just runs his his vehicle into the side of his own house and randomly shoots one of the uh, fence posts. poles, fence posts from the front of his vehicle through the vampire, which he could not have intended to do unless he has some sort of magical powers. And if that is the case, that should be the movie. Right. Grandpa, vampire hunter. Yeah. You know, it really would have been cooler if they would have played it up the whole movie that he was like a vicious alcoholic. Yeah. And he actually did just like accidentally drunk drive into his house. (laughs) Yes. That would have made more sense. It would have made at least some sense, but this makes no sense. And then what happens after is that (laughs) the grandpa's daughter, the mother, Lucy, uh, asks him if something is wrong. Okay. Two things. One thing that's wrong, if if you don't know anything about your father, is he just found out vampires exist. Second thing that's wrong is he crashed into the side of his own home and killed a man. Right, he did do that. But, uh, but let's just assume that those two things are A-OK. What's wrong? <laughs> what the fuck do you mean? I just knocked down a wall in my house. But whatever. What's wrong and what is wrong is that he, of course, knows there are vampires in Santa Carla, and uh, that is the one thing he's always had trouble stomaching. <laughs> it, I guess, you know, it's one of those things that it is a little bit, it is a little bit convenient that it just happened to work out that way, isn't it? Oh, it's it's the third Jaws, like it's any of the, uh, it's Little Mermaid, any movie where. A ship gets plunged through the heart of the beast. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, he lucks into killing a vampire, but then we find out he's this like 
uh, ragged old vampire hunter. <laughs> so like, it's kind of the whatever, fuck it ending. Yeah, it really is. It's it's it really undercuts the whole message of everything, but also like highlights the better story of the entire film, which is these three 12, 13 year old boys trying to figure out how to deal with vampires in their town. Right on, man. You know, it, and even in despite, even despite those things, you know, that we're talking about, like the, the wildly convenient ending and stuff, I can't help but fucking love this movie, man. I really, really, really do. I like this movie. Yeah? You're a liker. Yeah. I'm a liker of this movie. I would give it a Facebook thumbs up. Okay, so you'd, you'd, you'd like it, in other words. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I would do. <laughs> what's your uh, what's your final kind of summary and, and overall rating of this yeah, book, Steve? My overall rating of this movie is that uh, Jason Patrick is a bad choice. He has zero charisma. Which one is he? Cor- uh, he's Michael. Michael, okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly my point. What else is Jason Patrick in after this? I got gotcha. you. Uh, Speed 2 Cruise Control is <laughs> one he's in. Oh. Yeah. Corey Haim and Corey Feldman are extremely charming, great actors at this age. They they knew what they were doing. The grandfather is an interesting, fun character. Diane Weist I, I don't know if she at any point says any line that was written in the script. If mm-hmm. you pay attention to her dialogue, it overlaps with other dialogue. It's uh, very colloquial, very like, uh, very conversational. Mm. It seems like she took what she was supposed to say and turned it into what she would say. Okay, which is you. exactly what you would expect out of Diane Weist, who comes from uh, a lot of Woody Allen movies. Okay, um, she's she's giving it her all. Corey Haim, Corey Feldman, they're doing well. Ed Herman is, uh, he's a bad he's a bad casting choice, I think, because one he's too old to be, uh, the sort of charming playboy he's supposed to come off as mm-hmm. and two uh they couldn't see into the future and find out he's gonna be richard gilmore yeah exactly that's, yeah there's no way that's a real known. problem but i mean Kiefer sutherland and uh all of the lost boys are just they're perfect because like you kind of hate them because of their youth like you you even though they're not that young at this point they're all in their early 20s which is young but like they're not that young they're they're playing younger than they are they're slightly annoying but also like you you think they're cool and you wish you could be like them but you're like well but also fuck you yeah (laughs) like they're they're so perfectly cast um jamie gertz uh, she's good. She's good in other things, and she just didn't get much to play with here. Neither did Diane Weist, but she yeah. she made the best of what she could. So I, I think that the people acting in this came together. Joel Schumacher and and Jeffrey Boehm definitely put their own vision into this. I like that. I enjoy it. It reminds me of some real fun uh, late '80s movies, but. 
it just has so many story problems throughout and I don't know. I it, this to me is not more than a six. Wow, really? Yeah, man, interesting. What do you I, think, Ben? I I fucking love it, and I can totally see everything that you're saying. Um, as far as some of those casting choices, and again, the the thin female roles and stuff like that. But I I think probably just through my own personal experience and stuff like that, I find the subject matter of this movie supremely relatable in a lot of ways you know again just uh-huh. that, that quest for family that quest for uh uh a guy trying to find a, a father figure and, and the uh, quest for peace like star trek yeah yeah exactly exactly i i find a lot of that really really relatable uh and just based on the way that i grew up and stuff so i fucking love it man it's also just so perfectly fucking 80s in excess on the soundtrack yeah that whole cool 80s soundtrack. Oh man, dude, that whole 80s comic book shop, arcade, pier vibe. It's like that's just where I wanted to live when I was a kid. Is is that place right there? It's all just so ideally fucking 80s to me. You got all the you got all the punks, you got the big greasy sax guy, you got the hair metal vampires and shit, mullets and all this stuff. I just think this is such such a cool movie it's yeah sure it has flaws and stuff like that but i just really don't care it's one of those that it's so easy for me to overlook because it's a cool looking movie i can relate to this movie in a lot of ways i don't know man i just i really really like this movie like we sat there and watched it and i was like fuck this was awesome because like i said i've been kind of (laughs) I've been kind of burnt out on vampire flicks because I, I really didn't like Fright Night. Vampires wasn't really very good. No. Um, so I was kind of expecting this to be a little bit of a letdown too, especially considering all the hype that it has. Um, but it absolutely delivered for me. I fucking love this movie. I'm totally going to buy it and watch it all the time while I play guitar and write music and shit. I, seriously, dude, this is like a fucking nine and a half for me. I really like awesome. it. Yeah, I really Yeah, that's like great it. to find out. Like, Gosh, a six is low. It is. I but like, I man, I, I they said Michael so many times. <laughs> Just so many. Michael, Michael. I and I this if it was a Corey Corey movie, I would love this movie. Gotcha. Like I, I needed like a more squad. of that. Yeah, yeah. If it was more Monster Squad E and. Uh, still, I want to see every one of the scenes with Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah. I want that more and more. But the Michael scenes, Star, all of that is just so boring to me. I gotcha. I gotcha. I can understand. And, and, you know, one thing I did forget to mention, too, that completely pointless sex scene between Michael and Star. <laughs> oh, Jesus. But it did have that uh, awesome song that basically is the theme of the the movie thou shall not fall fucking movie it's in there all the time it's the worst that song is so terrible (laughs) but you got that really soft core it looks like a fucking like a um like a like 90s a, music video, you know? It really did. Actually, a lot of this movie looked like a music video. Like a Chris Isaac video or something, which actually makes <laughs> sense because 
That's how Joel Schumacher got Sexy Sax Man and a lot of the other people that played in the band yeah, as he promised to make music, music videos. videos. Yeah. yeah. I thought you were going to say he directed that Chris Isaac video and I was going to be like, I don't think so. Oh, man. You talking about that Wicked Games video? Yeah. Oh, dude. I just remember popping like the maddest fucking preteen bones watching that being like, I think I'm going to see a butt. You were just like, what a wicked game to play. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great song. I actually listen to that song. Probably every couple of months. It's a good song. It's not a bad move, man. It's not a bad move. Well, I, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that we watched this, and I think this is a great finale to No Vampire because I have found oh, yeah. through our lovely viewers' choices one of my favorite vampire flicks, and indeed one of my favorite '80s flicks ever. I think this is just near a, dark. Yeah, near dark. I think this oh, is. Oh no, this is a Lost Boys. Lost Boys. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just think this is such an ideal fucking 80s vamp. This is what I want in an 80s vampire movie. So I really enjoyed it. So thanks so much to you guys for voting for this one. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and recommend that if you get a chance, watch uh, My Best Friends a Vampire. Okay. Or uh, Rockula. I okay. think those two 80s horror vampire movies might be even more up your alley. I don't know, though. The hairband aspect is is pretty awesome. Yeah, it is. It is. And again, with the Skankbanger stuff, perfect timing. Yeah. Well, Steve, we're coming into the month of December now, and uh-huh. we've got ourselves a couple shows planned out, but we decided that for the first two weeks of December here, well, I don't know if it's first two, but there's going to be two weeks here in December where we are on the air, going to be springing some surprise choices on each other. Steven's picking a movie that he's about to reveal. I'm picking a movie later on that we're going to reveal mid-episode. So, Steve, I'm really excited for you to announce what we're going to be covering on the show next week. All right, Ben. I'll give you a, cr- a real quick hint. Hit me. You've got Fred on you. <gasps> it's Shaun of the Dead! Yes! I run it under a cold tap. Oh my god, that fucking movie. It's going to be the first full-on comedy we've covered. Right. And I'm I'm a little wary that we won't be cuz discussing comedy kills it. Right. Yeah, yeah, it makes it not but funny. I feel like Shaun of the Dead has enough like real genuine story drama. It does. That that it'll work just fine. I completely agree, man. It it has that Guardians of the Galaxy kind of thing where it's like underneath Guardians of the Galaxy's funniness, it's a good sci-fi movie. Shaun mm-hmm. of the Dead is a great zombie movie. It just <laughs> also happens to be funny. By the way, that impression that you've got read on you was actually a super meta impression. It was an impression of um oh shit who's the, the main guy of Shaun of the Dead Simon Pegg oh it was an impression of Simon Pegg doing an impression of his mother on an episode of Comedy Bang Bang you that was a deep cut there Steve that was listen I like to go deep First my Jimmy runs deep deepest. so deep oh okay you went with that <laughs> <laughs> I Cheryl crowed your ass <laughs> My mom's friend. Um, So (laughs) if you're looking for us, you can always find us uh, at dead lovely pod on Instagram or Twitter. Mm -hmm. Also, you can email us dead and lovely pod at gmail.com. Ben, where can they find you? They can find me on that Instagram and that Twitster at Ben Eller 
guitars. Where can they find you on them social medias? Oh my gosh. At Steven Spratling. Steven with a V, the only way to spell it. Spratling. It's not Bradley. Nope. Not even close. Not uh, even kind of. You guys stay tuned. Next week, we're going to be talking about old Shaun of the Dead, which I'm very excited about because that's one of my favorite flicks. So that should be a lot of fun. In the meantime, you guys be sure to go on iTunes, rate and review this podcast. Every one of your reviews and stuff really helps us out a ton on showing uh, showing up on those top 10 lists and searches and shit like that. So please do go on iTunes, rate and review. It just takes a second. It doesn't have to be a long paragraph. Make it short. Make it G-rated or else I won't post it. Please rate and review our show. But always remember... Bambi was G-rated, so you can say, they'll kill your mother. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. You guys have been dead. We've been lovely. Bye-bye. Michael. 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 David. Michael. Michael. David. Michael. Michael. David. Michael.